Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and your host of Give Me Strength. What makes a strong person to you? Could it be the kilograms in your deadlift, the miles you're able to run, or is it as simple as saying how you feel, an inner feeling of strength that's there regardless of your fitness abilities? Each week, I'll be looking into this concept, asking extraordinary women about their ever-evolving relationship with exercise and how their experiences have shaped who they are today. Together, we'll discuss the positives of living a stronger life, both physically and mentally, in the hope that we can inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. So of all the people that I have ever dreamed of being able to interview for this podcast, my next guest was up there as one of them. She is absolute sporting royalty. She is a dame, one of Britain's most successful athletes, Olympic gold and silver medalist and an inspiration to so many. Dame Jess Ennis-Hill is titled Queen of the Heptathlon. She made an immediate impression on coaches aged 11 in her hometown of Sheffield and from there progressed up the ranks to achieve glittering success in a sport that requires you to excel at not one, but seven disciplines. Outside of her sporting achievements, she also holds a degree in psychology, is a mother of two and is now set to launch her own app, Genis, which will help both pre and postnatal mothers and women alike to train like Jess. I am so excited to have you here today. And as someone that's watched you become the darling of British athletics, can you take us back and just tell me how your story started? Yeah, so um, yeah, it started when I was about nine, ten years old. And it was literally a case of it was the summer holidays. And my mum and dad were like, you know, the girls have got lots of energy. What are we going to do with them for, you know, a few weeks? And my mum still jokes about it now, being cheap childcare. And she... <laughs> took me and my sister off to the track and we just did two weeks of a of a summer camp at Don Valley Stadium and yeah from then really I just I just loved it I loved running I loved all the different events we did my sister wasn't so keen she kind of sat on the side and gossiped with everyone had a great time socializing but I was really into yeah into athletics from that point 
and that whole time you were just sort of continuing your love for it and I know that you were with your coach for a very very long time and he sort of spotted you early on and for many of us there's often like one coach or one person that really drives our journey into into being a success how instrumental was he so your coach Tony Minicello was there from the early days how instrumental was he in navigating those kind of early years for you of your career yeah he was a huge part of why I was able to achieve pretty much all I achieved in my career Um, I met him when I was about 13 Mm. and he kind of identified me as being someone with a little bit of talent I think he said that I had good running style and you know he started coaching me and I didn't really know anything about the heptathlon at that stage I'd never done it I'd never really heard of it at all and he introduced me to the heptathlon so he said I'll try these events you know it's seven events you do them over two days I was like oh how hard can this be I'll (laughs) give it a go and actually it turned out to be quite hard and you know at the beginning I I just I hated it. I really hated the event. I found it really difficult to do. But that was the beginning of our journey together. And he has coached me from the age of 13 right through the whole of my career until, you know, until when I retired. So he's very much a like a mentor mm. um you know my my only coach through mm. the whole of the event and um yeah massive part of why I was able to be so successful because I think most people struggle with just one event but you were like no I'm just I'm gonna go for seven yeah <laughs> well again I, I kind of fell into it I didn't yeah. really understand the event at that stage so I have to give credit to my coach because he you know he thought that this would be the event for me and he mm. kind of pushed me in that direction and as I started learning the events and understanding the events and he was grown as a coach all the way through this journey as well mm. I then began to to love it and mm. yeah start to gain success in it but yeah it's definitely a tough event to choose. <laughs> Who sort of inspired you early on because I think sometimes you know when you're starting out in something and, and you always have that person that you look up to I mean I know when I was growing up I had like my inspirations on the stage that I couldn't wait to go and see in the theatre or something was there someone that inspired you at that young age that you were kind of really hoping to emulate? So I think I was just inspired by athletic stars in general at that stage so I'd remember going to Don Valley Stadium and going to like Grand Prix events and watching all the different athletes across all the events at that time just absolutely doing amazing Mm. and I was inspired by how you know a person could physically achieve you know put their body in certain ways and jump heights like they do in the high jump the men they were incredible but for me obviously going into heptathlon from a young age Denise Lewis was someone Mm. that was there and she was you know just dominating the event Mm. and yeah she was someone that I looked up to and I definitely wanted to emulate her achievements. And as you started to achieve a lot of success in your athletics you then went on to commit to completing a psychology degree which I was really shocked to read I couldn't believe that you'd managed to juggle both because for most athletes simply managing their training workload is enough of a struggle um, let alone pursuing a degree as well so what was it that pushed you to to also get a degree and how did you manage both? (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot to do with my parents I've always been the kind of person this is a plan and this is what we're working towards so the natural progression for me from school was to apply for university and go to university and I was always very conscious that sport is incredible when it's going well but when you're injured and it's not going well I didn't want to have nothing to fall back Mm -hmm. on so 
yeah, I wanted to go to university. I wanted to study, but I equally wanted to do something away from sport. I didn't want to be caught in this whole sports bubble mm. in case it didn't quite pan out. So yeah, I chose to do psychology at Sheffield and it was a really nice distraction in a way because I had, you know, the ability to go to the track, train really hard, and then I could almost come home and switch off from sport and mm. focus on, you know, my degree. Mm. I did miss a few lectures and <laughs> go to all my lectures and I probably could have worked harder. And I'm sure, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't because you were out boozing. <laughs> no, no, not every weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was hard. It was a juggle because obviously, you know, there's a, a lot going on yeah, in those university years and there are a lot of distractions. So that was definitely a challenging time. And a lot of the time we hear about how raw talent within sports and within a lot of things is only a fraction of what it takes to make a successful competitor. Do you find that your background in psychology helped you with the mental side of, of your sport? And was this a conscious decision from you to kind of get that edge with, with a degree in psychology? It wasn't a conscious decision, but it was, I mean, I did psychology at A-level and I really enjoyed it. Mm. And I I still enjoy that kind of understanding how, how we work and why we do the things we do and our brain and how it functions. Mm. And that really fascinates me. So it was something I was just interested in anyway, but actually the crossover into sport is huge. And I do feel that some of the things that I learned from my psychology degree, I was able to apply within my sporting context. Mm. So yeah, I think that definitely helped me because psychology within sport is huge. And mm. I think as we go on and on and progress through the years, we're becoming more and more aware of how we approach training how we approach competitions how we communicate between athlete and coach is such a huge part of why you're able to achieve what you mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. you know when you're out there in the field by yourself mm, absolutely at that point I'm sure there's a lot of competitiveness because you're all trying to get I guess to a very similar goal which is to be at the, at the top level how did and do you deal with competition? I know it's something that so many of us struggle with. Like me, myself, I find social media to be really difficult sometimes because of that comparison and that mm. feeling of being in a competition, even though you're kind of not, because yeah. we're all different. Yeah. But how do you find yourself drowning out that noise and focusing on your own goal? I think it's something that comes through experience and time and I definitely found it difficult at the beginning of my career because you very much want everything to happen straight away you want to be on the top of that podium from day dot and you are very aware of what everyone else is doing and what they're achieving and how what you need to do to get to where they are so it became something that I kind of learned to manage and understand as I went through different competitions so I just learned more about myself and then was able to draw from them at those experiences and just learn to focus on myself. And also my coach was a massive part of that. He would just say, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. They are all training hard, but you can't influence what they're doing. You mm -hmm. can only influence yourself. Mm -hmm. So make it count when you're training. Don't be distracted mm -hmm. by what everyone else is doing. And, you know, that's so true. And it's very easy to say that, to actually implement that is quite mm -hmm. hard. But if you can, mm -hmm. then, you know, you're you're setting yourself up for success. Were there any times where you did let it get to you and you found it that it, that it really did affect you, whether it's in was in competition or maybe afterwards? There's, I suppose in my early days, in my junior days, I, I remember going to World Junior Championships and I was very much a very strong first day competitor they were my stronger events mm -hmm. and I remember being you know in first second third going into the second day like in really you know podium position mm -hmm. strong place and then 
my second day was really weak and I was very aware of that and I was really aware of the other girls and that they had strong days and I think in those situations I was too focused on the fact that they were going to do really well and not focusing on myself mm. and I ended up dropping right down to you know sixth seventh eighth mm. place in the final because I'd been distracted mm. but I think as I got older again I just learned to yeah not to, mm. to focus it's on so hard to do I know it so many is. times where I've had to like really check myself because I just we fall into that natural the habit, habit of being like well she's doing this and she's doing that and yeah, yeah it must be really difficult in that environment where it's so heightened and there's so many emotions running really really high it is it's so easy to do and I think if you're aware of what people are doing before you go into the competition that's fine you know keep a tab on what people are doing what the level of competition is like but when you're out there and you're competing mm. it doesn't matter what you've done before or what you're going to do you're all you know my coach would say you're all at zero you know you've all got zero points and you know any one can take it basically so it's about what you do and focusing on yourself I love that that's a good rule for life as well I yeah, think that's really yeah. good so in the lead up to the Beijing Olympics in 2008 you suffered a career threatening injury meaning that you had to actually pull out of the competition which must have been devastating and it's something that you'd obviously worked so hard for and you'd sacrificed a lot for tell me about that time how did that feel yeah, it was the most devastating time of my career because essentially I felt like I'd just started my career and I'd just started to get a taste for success and senior success. Mm. And I didn't really expect to be making that Olympics because I thought it was out of reach. But actually really? that year had been going so well and I was in a great position and I was, you know, I was planning to be there. And yeah, I, you know, I suffered three stress fractures in my right foot and I, I kind of knew something wasn't quite right. I went out to a competition in Austria, um, which was my last big heptathlon before the Olympics. And I knew something wasn't 100%, but I didn't know it was to that extent yeah mm. and um I remember doing the high jump and just not being able to run my curve into the high jump bed I just couldn't put any force through that foot and that was my takeoff foot mm. and I remember just sitting down and the physio and doctors coming over and having a look and I was just then just said I you know I'm gonna have to pull out of this competition and I'd never had to pull out of any competition mm. before that was devastating in itself I was on crutches I had to face the media and oh, you know it's gosh. Olympic year so they were mm. all like is it a big injury are you going to be okay for the Olympics and mm. I just didn't know and mm. I just remember bursting out crying because I was just like this is mm. this is devastating mm. then I flew back home and found out that I had three stress fractures I think in my mind I was thinking oh I'll be devastated if I've missed two weeks weeks training or three yeah. weeks training that'll mm. be a massive impact but actually you know it turned out that yeah absolutely it was no way going to the olympics that time so yeah and sometimes huge. from the biggest losses come the biggest gains mm. and from suffering such a big setback it seemed that you went away and you just put your head down and you worked harder than ever to get yourself back to fighting fit what happened and did anything change mentally physically in those 12 months did your weakness become your strength like you you seem to come back with a bang was it was that kind of like a bit of fire in your belly to really say I'm going to do this now yeah absolutely I you know there were moments where I was just like oh why has this happened you know is this the end of my career but absolutely no point did I think that I was stopping and giving up you know there's lots of people that had said you know it's a navicular stress fracture that can be a problem throughout your career you might never 
ever come back to the position that you were before and that just made me even more determined to just be like I'm coming back and I'm coming back really strong I want to show everyone that mm. I'm going to be even better than I was and you know I had a fantastic team around mm. me I had my physios my doctor my coach everyone that mm. were all there just supporting me and making sure that everything was done right and that I didn't rush my recovery so mm. that I had problems in the future mm. and yeah it was a massive learning curve for me it made me just stop and sit back and look back at what I'd achieved already mm. and just kind of go wow do you know what you're in a really amazing position put all this into perspective mm. and then push on mm, absolutely because I think there's so much in when you are you know in, a, in quite a dark place mm. to be able to just stop and be like actually hang on a second let's put a positive spin on this you know I think there's there's always a positive that can be taken from any negative yeah. and that's how I try and live my life you know if ever anything happens to me where I'm like oh my god why did that happen to me it's like what can I take from this yeah. so that it, you put a positive spin and on you it have and you have to learn from it as well I think you learn so much more yeah, from these times when it tests you and I just kept saying to myself you know it's not supposed to be a smooth journey mm. into you know getting to the top of the podium at an Olympics it's never going to be easy because everyone would do it so it's going to be hard and this is my you know little bump in the road I've mm. got to find a way out of it you then obviously went on to win gold on Super Saturday I remember where I was on that moment and it was incredible I can't even begin to imagine how that must have felt for you it's particularly with knowing what has been the backstory as well can you tell me just one thing that really sticks in your mind from that day? Like, what is the biggest thing that sticks? Obviously winning, but like, yeah. is there anything else where you're like, that is my best memory of that day? Um, I mean, oh, that's really hard because there's so many. Like, <laughs> one know. amazing moment for me was in the long jump because that was a one event that was going so bad in the whole lead up and mm. our holding camp that we had before we went to the Olympics. We were trying to get it right. I just couldn't get on the board properly. I was losing like 20, 30 centimetres. And I remember just going back to my room and just ringing my fiance at the time up and just saying, oh, I'm just... I can't do it I'm going to mess everything up with mm. the long jump mm. so I was so anxious about it and then obviously the first day of the Olympics went amazing yeah. and then we'd enter the long jump and I was like oh gosh I just don't want to mess this up and I think I jumped 6.48 I think it was my second jump and I just remember there's a picture of me just jumping up like <laughs> with just pure excitement and I don't normally show too much emotion I'm normally quite like reserved on the track but I was just like so happy because I knew that that was it I knew that that was the most crucial part of the heptathlon oh, I got it right so that was yeah that's a massive standout moment for giving me. me goosebumps there <laughs> so obviously that feeling of winning and then being thrust into the spotlight is quite a lot to deal with and it must have been quite overwhelming for you how did you find yourself dealing with that constant attention yeah it was weird because I kind of been around in the athletics world for quite a while but then with the Olympics being in London it, it kind of threw all the British athletes into under a different spotlight mm. so we were kind of looked at by everyone in the most intense way and thrown into an unknown world and I suppose I hadn't really thought about what was going to happen if I won I didn't allow myself to think what would happen I was just thinking the process of getting there it doesn't matter what happens after just try and get to that point first um so it was yeah a massive shock mm. when yeah I just kind of that realization of what I'd done and the impact that it had was I just wasn't really quite prepared for it 
When was the first time that you had like just a few minutes to yourself after winning? Because obviously you were probably in a press frenzy for for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember having like just a couple of minutes by by yourself and just like what was that moment like? And what did you what did you think? I think it was just obviously after I met my family, we all went to they were in the BOA house and we all you know went and met with them. We all had a drink and it was just so nice to see them because I'd not seen them for so long because I've been training yeah, and preparing. And I remember like seeing my dad and he was just so skinny and I was like dad what's happened to you and he's just so nervous like for the past few weeks he'd been so nervous for me because obviously they'd been absorbing you know everything in the papers everything that had been said I'd kind of blocked off from everything Mm. and he was just so nervous so I just remember seeing my dad thinking oh my gosh are you okay (laughs) and then I suppose it wasn't really until me and Andy got back to our hotel room that Mm. just really sat down on the bed and was just like oh my gosh like is this actually happen mm. and then you wake up the next morning thinking as it happened is it a dream and then like no my gold medal's there it's all real and yeah it's just the most bizarre feeling because it's something that you know you've worked so hard mm. for and that you never really think that you're going to get there and mm. then when you get there it's just really really surreal because that's really interesting that you say you never really think you're going to get there because a lot of people do that kind of visualization of i am going to win i am going to win yeah. but when you said oh i never really think i'm going to get there that's really interesting if was that your mentality did you sort of think it might not happen so don't get too excited or was it you know i am definitely going to win and i'm just going to go for it yeah i mean it's all it was always a dream that's what i ultimately want to achieve but it's a dream in a way and you always think that something's going to go wrong even when I'd crossed the line and I knew I'd won Mm. that was still a part of me thinking oh but is it definitely true like (laughs) is the scoreboard right you know you just keep thinking that this is too good to be true because it was all that I'd ever wanted to achieve in my career and I I just never knew that I could actually you know get there Coming away from the Olympics in London, you had another life-changing moment in that you became a mum to Reggie. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Did you feel like you had to decide between medals and motherhood? Because I know there's a lot of women now that are doing both. You know, Mm. they're competing, they're going away, they're having kids, they're coming back. Serena Williams is one of my biggest idols and I think she's incredible. But did you feel like you had to make a decision? We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. I think it, it was, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. And I think now, like you say, you see more and more women doing it. Mm. And I think at the time, I, I wasn't really aware of that many other athletes that had done it. So I felt that I'd kind of gone into a really crazy unknown world Mm. and I was quite nervous about coming back but again I had the people around me that believed in me and they were like if you want to come back if you want to continue then we'll help you do it and you Mm. can do it and yeah it sort of gave me a new like motivation a new Mm. sense of a challenge because Mm. after London I very much you know felt like it was a bit of a low you go Mm. back into winter training and the motivation is really hard because you've achieved your ultimate goal Mm. and then after finding out I was pregnant and then having Reggie it was a huge new challenge that I had to overcome was it a shock yeah getting back into training no getting yeah it was it was a bit of an unexpected surprise (laughs) but an amazing surprise and you know I'd never really thought about when I would plan to have kids whether I would have them during my career or after Mm. so yeah it kind of threw me into an unknown and 
the best thing I've ever done is, you know, having my son and then coming back into my career and having him part of that. Mm. To be a world-class athlete, there is inevitably a certain amount of selfishness. You know, you've spoken about how you weren't mm. able to see your family and you were on your own a lot of the time. I say on your own, but, you you know, you're not being able to see them to focus yeah. on the competition in hand to achieve that level of success. I'm guessing you have to sacrifice a lot of your social life during competition as well. How did you find yourself coping with this? And you now had a husband and a young baby to look after as well. How did you find yourself managing it? Yeah, I think I completely switched. So you do have to be really selfish. You have to be very driven and everything is about you. Everything's about training the best you can, sleeping as much as you can, eating the right things your whole life. And the people that work with you, it's about making sure you perform the best you can on the track. Mm. So then when I had my son, everything completely changed Mm. because it wasn't about me. It was about making sure that he had everything he needed, that I was there and that I was going to be the best mum possibly for him. And yeah, my my mentality shifted I still very much wanted to be a successful athlete and get back to full-time training but it was never going to be at the expense of Reggie it was about making sure that athletics now slotted in with my son and making sure that I was there and he had me whenever he needed me but that I was able to slot that training in and make it work as well and obviously the people around me my family were a huge part of making you know making everything come true really who was your biggest cheerleader at that point was it your husband yeah absolutely yeah without a doubt he you know he made sacrifices with his own work to change his hours and the flexibility of his full-time job so Mm -hmm. that I could train in the morning and then we'd cross over on the drive and Mm -hmm. he'd go in and you know we'd swap and I'd look after Reggie and he'd go to work and yeah he just made it he just made it work and he was always there supporting me Mm -hmm. and just telling me that I could get back and I could do it would you say that you felt some level of like stigma of going back to work quite quickly? I'm sure that a lot of women that are listening have probably felt the same. You know, there is to a certain extent this stigma of, oh, you're going back that quickly. Mm. Oh, you're going back, especially to competing at a high level in athletics. Yeah. Did you feel that? And did you ever experience that? Uh, I experienced people saying that she that I wouldn't come back I Mm. felt that a lot of people were like that's her done she's had a baby she won't come back she won't compete she's done and I suppose yeah there's definitely that element we all judge each other on what we do I suppose Mm. and there's that feeling of yeah you know some mums have a year off some mums have four months five months six months it varies and it's completely within what you feel you're capable of doing and what's Mm. right for you and your baby and yeah I felt I found it hard to get back into training because I didn't want to leave him. But equally, I was in a position where I could be really flexible with what I did. So Mm -hmm. I could go and do two hours training and then come back. I could bring him down to the track. I could Mm -hmm. no way have gone back to doing, you know, three or four days, Mm -hmm. you know, full time kind of hours Mm -hmm. at four or five months. It just, I just couldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. But everyone's so different. And I think it's about supporting mums and just... Yeah, doing what you're comfortable doing. When you were pregnant, what was your training like? Because obviously you'd gone from training five, six, maybe even seven days a week. Mm. And then you're obviously pregnant and I'm sure you had to change your routine quite a lot. And obviously you've now gone on to create an app which which caters to pre and postnatal women. What was your own training like during your first pregnancy? Yeah, so it was very different. Obviously I'd gone from training really intensely pushing myself to breaking point to then having to learn to train within a zone so you know when you're pregnant it's not about pushing yourself to exhaustion it's Mm -hmm. not about 
trying to make any adaptations or real physical changes. It's about just keeping active and just keeping your body ticking through. And I definitely felt that I was unsure what to do because I had never been there before mm. and I wanted to make sure my baby was safe, but equally I still wanted to stay active and, mm. and keep some level of fitness. So I've, like I turned to Google and you know, like every other mum does to try yeah. and see what, what the right thing is to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt really lucky that I had such an amazing team around me. I had a great physio, Ali Rose and coach and everyone mm. who kind of guided me and educated me on what the right things were to do while I was pregnant, how to exercise sensibly Mm. and that's really where the idea of the app came from because I want to kind of share my personal experiences of of exercising during pregnancy but also Mm. the knowledge and expertise that I had around me to help me train sensibly and safely and yeah just have a really happy comfortable pregnancy Mm. and come out the other side in a really positive way because research now shows how beneficial it can be to mothers to continue with activity during their pregnancy you know it's not about stopping and doing nothing and and sitting down for nine months Um, but I think you're absolutely right that getting that information from people that are really geared up and qualified to give that information is is key yeah and if you think about the benefits I mean I had such a lovely pregnancy with Reggie it's kind of you know you're exercising for that mental state to Mm. give yourself time to just kind of switch off and just you know have that release of endorphins which makes you feel great anyway even if you're doing 10 minutes it's just having that release of endorphins and it's that yeah feeling of just keeping the body moving Mm. it's keeping all those little muscles switched on in a controlled way that supports your baby to make sure you have a healthy pregnancy and hopefully to help you not have all those horrible like post-pregnancy back pains and Mm. issues that you have and that's all through keeping active so you ended up getting a silver medal which is just incredible and I wanted to ask, how does this medal sit next to the gold, given all you had to go through to get there? Is it sort of like on the same level? I guess because you've gone away, you'd you'd had Reggie and you'd come back to the sport. Yeah, I think for me, my two favourite medals and the medals that I'm most proud of throughout my career are my Olympic gold medal in London and my World Championship gold medal the following year after having Reggie, because that was the medal I didn't expect to get. I just really thought I wasn't going to be ready for that World Championships mm. and I managed to get back in time and win and that was, yeah, that's probably one of my proudest moments. Amazing. Life is a game of managing strengths and weaknesses. You know, we're good at some stuff, we're not good at others and it's about managing that. You've had to do that and succeeded in doing that on an Olympic level. You've had events that you've sp- spoken about struggling with. I think was the javelin or the shot? No, the shot put. Sorry, both. <laughs> both. Yeah, okay, both. javelin and shot put. <laughs> you really struggled with because you're very slight. Obviously, how did you help yourself to develop the mental resilience to cope with this? You know, yeah, managing your weaknesses. Yeah, I I found the shot and the javelin really hard for many many years because I was never a natural thrower. I had mm. to work really hard to build up that strength Mm -hmm. so I got strong in the gym and then I had to get really technically sound so that I could use as much of my genetic makeup to to hopefully throw further Mm. and yeah I mean I had so many days where I was just like this event is rubbish I just can't do it they need (laughs) to take it out of the heptathlon and yeah you you just have that feeling that you just can't do it and Mm. you will never be able to do it but it's about just pulling yourself out of it and it's really strange because I think I had like one session where I just 
I did a shot put session and I just felt it and it was in that moment that it just changed and I just felt the technique and the throw it's really weird but you just feel it in a different way and then from that point I was just able to create a better technique a better rhythm and I was able to start progressing and moving forward mm. with the event but it is hard and especially when you're in competition mm. and you're going into an event where you're not particularly strong you have to just pull yourself out of it yeah. and tell you that this is a good event for you and you are going to make it right because mm. if you have those thoughts or those doubts in your mind before you go in then it's not it's just not going to happen I love the phrase persistence not perfection yeah that's what I tell myself a lot yeah. of the time just keep at it keep at it because it will come but yeah. like don't expect perfect straight off the bat because it's just never going to happen yeah and it's going to take time it's going to like you say you've got to keep working you've got to keep training if you're not naturally gifted at that event or whatever it might be mm. you've got to work harder mm. so I read an interview with you where you said that when you got your silver at the second Olympics, that you knew at that moment that you were going to decide to retire. Can you tell me about that and how, because, you know, sport had been such a big part of your identity for such a long time. What did you feel at that moment and did you feel ready and how did you find yourself filling the void that sport had been in your life? Yeah, I think at that point, because those two years after having Reggie were the toughest training years, I mean... Physically, it was hard because mm. I, I felt like I was going back to basics and building back up into the athlete that I was. Mm. Mentally, it was hard because I was now a mum and I had all that guilt about leaving him and not, you know, balancing everything. Mm. So those two years were really, really challenging. And I knew that if I could get to the Olympics and if I could get on the podium, that would be a bonus. But if I can just get there, then I would know that everything that I'd done over those two years all the hard work all those little sacrifices would have been 100% worth it mm. and I felt that that point was the most perfect point to to just call it a day yeah because my body was starting to get tired I was picking up lots of Achilles injuries mm. you know the enjoyment kind of goes when you're battling with injuries mm. and you're having to go to and from hospital for scans because you can't train like mm. you used to so that motivation had started to like waver and I began to feel more motivated by the need to retire than the need to keep going and and winning so I suppose when I stepped off the track after that 800 meters in Rio I was just like a blubbering wreck on the BBC because I knew that that was probably going to be the last time that I stepped on the track and competed yeah. not only did you make it to the Olympics you won a medal I mean <laughs> if you if your goal was just to get there you pretty much smashed it <laughs> yeah I mean I was yeah it was perfect for me I couldn't have asked for more and I was so proud and yeah felt really privileged to have been able to get there and win that medal of course and that leads us on to Janice which is your latest project and I know we're actually one of the first to hear about this which I'm really excited about and thank you so much for sharing it with us can you tell me how this idea was born obviously you've spoken a little bit about the pre and postnatal side but I know that there's just a side for for women who want to get into training as well yeah can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, so the pregnancy element, so Janice's pregnancy was all kind of derived from my own experiences through my pregnancies and, and the support that I had. Mm -hmm. And then obviously now, not being an elite athlete, but still wanting to stay active and fit, I kind of wanted to put together what I do on a weekly basis, the kind of workouts that I do mm. um, at home that keep me fit, that I'm able to fit into life now because mm. I understand now about like all those mums out there 
how hectic life is with young children running about and changing and developing and all their needs that they have and also trying to work and do everything else in life but I just want to stay active. I want to live mm. a healthy life. I want my kids to see me exercising. Mm. So, yeah, so I created Janice Fitness, which is, yeah, hopefully going to be a really exciting app that men and women can enjoy, you know, short bursts of workouts, mm. you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, intense workouts. Mm. It's going to blast your body and make you feel good after. I can't wait to try it. I love following you on Instagram because you post workout videos and you're always on like your living room floor and I'm like <laughs> that's so relatable. It's so amazing to see someone who has competed at such a high level but who also is like yep I do home workouts I'm just going to work out with yeah. my kids there on my living room floor but, and it just feels so real. But that's genuinely what I do now mm. you know I used to obviously train at the track all the time mm. in an amazingly equipped gym and I love that it was great but now it that does suit my life and my mm. needs and I still draw on great knowledge from what I did during course, those days yeah. but I'm able to implement them into a really like simple setup mm -hmm. So obviously this um, podcast is called Give Me Strength and we're speaking to incredible women within the whole kind of sports sphere. What's your opinion on women's sport at the moment? What do you see as the sort of major strengths and weaknesses and is that something that you'd like to continue to advance yourself yeah, I think I've seen, you know, women's sport change over the years and definitely from when I started, I think it's constantly changing and improvements have been made. And I think what I enjoy now is that, you know, the profile that, you know, sports like netball and women's hockey, you know, you, you just see them more. They've mm. just got that profile that they didn't really have. And I think that's really important. And it is about role models. And, you know, off the back of London 2012, I think, you know, the the female athletes that competed there, we were like some of the most successful the, the team. We were yeah. the stars. And, <laughs> and we created role models within so many different events and mm. sports, which was great. Mm. And I think that's the way forward. And then if we can inspire young women in a way and educate them and how to train and how to be successful within the sport then you know that's the key mm. and then again I'm obviously really passionate about women being able to have successful careers in sports step away start families and come back into mm. it and I think it's about encouraging more women to do that absolutely how do you switch off? Obviously, you've said how things can be pretty manic and quite hectic, but great. <laughs> but what is your go-to thing that helps you relax and reset? I honestly think just a really good boxer. I just love putting on Netflix and just sitting down at the end of the day where I can just, you know, just get lost in a drama or something where I'm not thinking about what's going on in the day or what I've got to do tomorrow, what I've got to do next week, just to get lost in a different plot. I've literally probably watched everything on Netflix. Oh my so, um, yeah, a good drama. <laughs> it's really nice to hear when an athlete says, I like to sit down and watch TV to switch off. I'm like, oh, thank God for that. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> you just get as lost normal in as all of us. Else. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does strength look like to you? Oh, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I suppose it's everything. It's that kind of mentality. It's that calmness. It's that understanding of what you can achieve. It's that belief in yourself. But yeah, I think strength is something, it means something slightly different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And who in your life demonstrates strength most? Oh gosh, these are hard questions <laughs> in my life. I I think I would have to say my husband. I think he 
he is such a strong character and we've been together for a very long mm. time and he's been with me through my whole career from you know achieving nothing to you know olympic champion having our children the way he has dealt with the whole transformation of our lives has been incredible so he he has such strength in the way he is with our children and life is just yeah that inspires me so he's he's definitely a very strong character just before we started this interview I read a quote by Michelle Obama that said success isn't about how much money you make it's about the difference you make to people's lives mm-hmm. is there a legacy that you would like to leave and if so what would that be yeah I suppose getting into athletics it was just a hobby it was just something I enjoyed I just wanted to have fun and run around the track really and it progressed and developed into something that I could never have really imagined so I never thought about being a role model or anything like that but now in the position that I am and what I've achieved I just hope that I continue to inspire young people to enjoy sport at whatever level to believe in what they can achieve to to kind of help young people understand that I'm no different to them or to who they are now at Mm. you know 10 11 12 13 I was just a young kid that enjoyed being active Mm. and went on to achieve that so I hope that my journey and my story can hopefully encourage other people to do similar things Jess it has been an absolute dream come true to interview (laughs) you you are such an incredible guest to have on this podcast and I am so so grateful so thank you so so much and um, good luck with the app launch I can't wait to see it and um, yeah thank you so much oh thank you it's lovely (laughs) we all know how much powerful quotes can inspire us So I've selected some of my favourite quotes from women who've inspired me to be your daily mantra through to the next episode. This week's quote comes from American pro wrestler Ronda Rousey. She said, Once you give them the power to tell you you're great, you've also given them the power to tell you you're unworthy. Once you start caring about people's opinions of you, you give up control. Thank you so much for tuning in to Give Me Strength. Please do join us next week for more incredible guests. In the meantime, I would love it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe if you want to be the first to listen to our brand new episode every Wednesday.